Let's pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you today, God, for this priceless privilege of coming into your presence. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of worshiping in a country that allows us to do that without persecution or molestation. Now, Lord, as this word is presented, I ask you in the name of Jesus, grant me the right words to speak, the right spirit with which to speak these words, that the truth may be undamaged, the truth may triumph, your people blessed and your name glorified. Touch each of us according to our needs and your will for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 12, reading from verse 22. Matthew chapter 12, reading from verse 22. If you do not have a Bible, move close to someone who does have one. Do you have Matthew, the very first gospel? Matthew was a thief before Jesus Christ met him. So if there's a thief in this congregation, let Jesus Christ touch your heart. And he will transform you from a thief to a powerful disciple. Can you say amen? The apostle Paul was a murderer. He met Christ and he gave his life for the gospel. There is no life that Jesus Christ cannot change if that life is given to him. Matthew chapter 12, reading from verse 22, the Bible says, Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself, how shall then his kingdom stand? Which is a very reasonable question, as Jesus defends the miracle that he performed. And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. Verse 28. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Why did I use that passage? It is well known. The healing of the man who was blind and dumb. But this passage records more than simply a miracle of Jesus Christ. It records a battle. It records a war on a small localized scale. It records a fight. It records mutual hostility between two armies facing each other. Two powers, indeed two kingdoms. I repeat, two kingdoms were at war in the miracle that transformed that man's life. From blind and dumb to speaking and seeing. Listen to the words of Jesus Christ reading from verse 25 of Matthew chapter 12. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom? Are you with me? 
What is Jesus Christ telling us in those words? Satan has what? A kingdom. And a kingdom is no kingdom unless there are what? People or subjects. Are you with me? Satan has a kingdom. And Jesus said that. And Jesus did not lie. He said of himself in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth. Someone who is the truth does not lie. Satan has a kingdom. And his kingdom has subjects. In verse 28, Jesus goes on to say, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Jesus says, God has a kingdom. What we have are two kingdoms. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. I told you that this miracle was really a war. When Jesus Christ healed this man, that man was in the kingdom of Satan. You cannot be a child of God and be possessed by devils. You can be a church member and be possessed by devils. You cannot be a child of God and be possessed by devils. Is that clear? Now you can be a child of God and be bothered by devils. You can be a child of God and be troubled and harassed. But you cannot be a child of God and be possessed by devils. When you're a child of God, you're possessed by the Spirit. And so this man, blind and dumb, was a captive in Satan's kingdom. And Jesus Christ launched an attack. Broke into Satan's kingdom and released that captive. That is why Jesus said in verse 29 of Matthew 12, Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods unless he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house? What Jesus Christ was saying, what you saw me do was the binding of Satan. You saw me breaking into Satan's house, meaning his kingdom. You saw me launching an attack on Satan's kingdom to release one of his captives. The reason why Jesus Christ has to break in and release people is because Satan does not let you go. Let us see that from the Bible. Go to Isaiah chapter 14, reading from verse 12. Our double titled messages, who issued your passport or the United States has three presidents. Isaiah 14, reading from verse 12. I can hear your pages turning. Have you found Isaiah 14 yet? Reading from verse 12, the Bible says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which this weakened the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. This is God speaking now that you will be brought down. Your ambitions are to go up. And God is saying, but I will bring you down. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee saying, Is 
Is this the man that made the earth to tremble? By the way, one day the children of God and the children of Satan will see Satan. And when we see him, we will say, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness, and destroyed the cities thereof? And listen to how verse 17 ends, that opened not the house of whom? His prisoners. Listen to me carefully. Don't let anyone distract you tonight. When Satan has you, he does not let you go. Unless he is forced by a greater power. And the only power that's greater than the power of Satan is the power of God. Whether in the person of the Father, of the Son, or of the Holy Ghost. I repeat, when Satan has you, he does not let you go. And only Jesus Christ can get you out. You cannot decide to leave Satan's kingdom. You cannot do it. Now you can make all the decisions you like, but you cannot carry it out. A human being cannot leave Satan's kingdom. Which means with Satan, there is no freedom. But in the kingdom of Christ, you can leave anytime you like. Because Christ gives what? Freedom. You can decide, Jesus, I've had it with you, I'm gone. Of course, when you say that, you only have one other place to go. And that is Satan's kingdom. Understand me clearly. Not McDonald's. Satan's kingdom. In his, the kingdom of Christ, let me repeat, you can leave any time you like. Christ will cry. He cannot force you to stay. In the kingdom of Satan, you cannot leave. And so Jesus has to break you out. There are people who are trapped in Satan's kingdom. They may be listening to me tonight. They have tried, they have tried, they have tried to change their life, but they have tried without the power of Jesus Christ. And any attempt outside of the power of Christ to break away from Satan is destined to be a spectacular failure. The only way to break from the grip of Satan is to ask Jesus Christ. To come and deliver you. And you ask him by giving the life to him. When you do that, then Jesus has the legal right. (laughs) What word did I use? The legal right. Sin gives Satan a legal right to your life. You look confused, let me try to clarify. I travel all over the world, as you heard Brother Dennis tell you. And sometimes when I'm gone for a month, I go to the U.S. Embassy in the country where I am and I register my presence. So if something happens, somebody knows. When I enter that embassy, I am on U.S. soil. Are you with me? And if I'm running from the police, let's say in Kenya or Tanzania or Ethiopia, wherever I am, Indonesia, Philippines, where I go all the time. Once I get into that embassy, they can't touch me. Now... Let's take the Indonesian embassy in New York or Washington, D.C., whatever it is. If an Indonesian citizen runs into that kingdom, uh, that embassy, the U.S. police cannot come in and touch him or her. Are you following me? 
that embassy is called sacred soil. Now, Satan has embassies and the embassy of Satan is called sin. When you and I persist in having sin in our lives, Satan uses that sin as his legal, rightful embassy. And it is sacred soil that Jesus Christ respects. When I say respect, don't misunderstand the word. Christ will not come in there uninvited. You still didn't get it. You look lost, lovely but lost. Let me try it again. Persistent sin in the life, I'm not talking about a mistake, an error. A life of sin constitutes an embassy in that person's life for Satan. And only Christ, at the invitation of the sinner, can come and get you out. Let me rehearse what I've said before and review. There are two kingdoms. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. In the kingdom of God, Christ is the king. In the kingdom of Satan, Satan is the king. Let us see that from the lips of Christ himself. Let's go to John chapter 12, reading verse 31. As we continue, who issued your passport? Or the United States has three presidents. It is now five minutes after seven. I believe we have until eight, but please don't panic. I will not go up to eight. I know you have to prepare for work tomorrow. Do we have Matthew 12? Sorry, John 12, reading verse 31. Listen to Jesus Christ. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall who? The prince of this world be cast out, referring to Satan. Go to John chapter 14, reading verse 30. John chapter 14, reading verse 30. Jesus says, Hereafter I will not speak or talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Go to John 16, reading verse 11. This is Christ over and over. In John 16, verse 11, Jesus says, Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. So Jesus calls Satan the prince of this world. Jesus Christ understands and recognizes that Satan is the widespread influence on this earth. And most of the inhabitants of this world have given their allegiance to Satan. And Christ understands that. Now by his death on Calvary, Jesus Christ legally bought back the world from Satan, but he does not yet possess it. He's coming to do that. Legally it's his, but practically it is still under the control, the thumb of Satan. He is the prince of this world. Paul calls him in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4, the God of this world. Of course we know Jesus Christ is called in Isaiah 9 verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called, what? Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. In Acts chapter 3, verse 15 and 14, we read, And killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. He is called the Prince of Life. He is called the Prince of Peace. Satan's kingdom has a prince. And the word prince, archon, means the chief, the ruler. 
Satan's kingdom has a ruler, that's Satan. God's kingdom has a ruler, that's Christ. Two kingdoms, two sets of subjects. Question for you, don't answer me. To which kingdom do you belong? Don't don't answer me. I'll give you some information momentarily upon which you can base an intelligent response. Here is the question again. To which kingdom do you belong? There are only two. There isn't a middle kingdom where you rest as you try to decide which of the two to join. Here's the information you need to to determine intelligently to what kingdom you belong or I belong. Two kingdoms, two rulers, two sets of subjects, two constitutions. Let's look at the constitution of God. Exodus 20, reading from verse 1. Exodus 20, the second book of the Bible, reading from verse 1, the Bible says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, and out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or the likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. We'll pass to commandment 3. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. 4. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 5. Honor thy father and thy mother. 6. Thou shalt not kill. 7. Thou shalt not commit adultery. 8. Thou shalt not steal. 9. Thou shalt not bear false witness. 10. Thou shalt not covet. These 10 constitute the constitution of the kingdom of God. Now the kingdom of God extends throughout the universe, which means that this constitution operates on earth and it operates in heaven. Let me say that differently. The laws God require us to keep on earth are the same he requires of angels in heaven. And so we pray the Lord's Prayer. Say it with me. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? How? God has one standard for the entire intelligent universe. And by intelligent universe, I'm exempting the animals. All created intelligent beings, the angels, those who live on earth, other people on other inhabited planets, they are required to live by one common universal standard, one common constitution upon which the entire kingdom of God runs, and that is the law of God. Amen. L. White writes in Bible Commentary, Volume 6, page 1070, paragraph 4, The Lord does not save sinners by abolishing His law, which is the foundation of His government in heaven and in earth. Now understand that very clearly. In Psalm 103, verse 20, the Bible says, Bless the Lord, ye His angels, that excel in strength, that do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of His word. The Bible is clear. Angels keep the commandments of God. We are required to keep the commandments of God because we are all part of God's kingdom. And God's kingdom has one constitution, that is His law. Let's take a look at God's law. Because you can use the word love 
when you talk about God's commandments. Here's why you use the word love. And love is everything that does not have to do with you, with me. That's a very rubber-hits-the-road definition. Love is anything that does not have to do with me or self. Let me explain what I mean. Listen to commandment one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. In other words, I am called upon to respect somebody else. And who is that? God. Put no one in his place. Commandment two. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. I am called upon to respect someone else by not having images. That's God. Commandment three. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Again, I am called upon to respect and consider someone else. Commandment four. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. I am called upon to respect someone else. That is God. And also my fellow human being. Thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, the man servant, may servant thy cattle nor thy stranger within thy gates commandment five honor thy father thy mother i must consider someone else commandment six thou shalt not kill i consider someone else commandment seven thou shalt not commit adultery i must consider someone else commandment eight thou shalt not steal i must consider someone else commandment nine thou shalt not bear false witness i must consider someone else commandment ten thou shalt not covet i must consider someone else none of the ten commandments calls upon me to consider me not one there's no commandment that says thou shalt love thyself that God wrote listen to Satan's constitution we read it earlier not knowing that's what it was Isaiah 14 reading from verse 13 for thou hast said in thine heart I will ascend into heaven I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Satan's constitution is self. Self. Me. Myself. And I. God's constitution is you. And so John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he took all that he could. No. No. For God so loved the world that he gave. That is love. Taking is not love. Giving is love. The Ten Commandments call us to give. Give love to God. Give love to our fellow man. Not to ourselves. And if the Bible ever calls upon you or me to improve ourselves, it is that we might more effectively and efficiently give love. That's God's constitution. Satan has one. It is me, get all you can. Put I at the center of everything. God's constitution is put someone else at the center of everything. And so for the sake of our salvation, God gave his son. For the sake of saving us, he forsook his son. For the sake of saving us, he refused to remove the cup from his son. That he might save us. There are two kingdoms. Name the first one. Kingdom of... What's the other kingdom? There are two kings or rulers. Name the first one. Name the second one. There are two subjects. Name them. We haven't named them before. Let's name them now. Saints and sinners. 
I shouldn't do that. <laughs> Saints, I take those gestures back. Saints and sinners. Can you leave the kingdom of God anytime you like? Answer me. Can you leave Satan's kingdom anytime you like? No. That's a frightening thought. Does God's kingdom have a constitution? What is it? His law. Does Satan's kingdom have a constitution? What is it? I self. Here's a question again. To what kingdom do we belong? Here's how you tell. What is my attitude towards God's constitution? Or Satan's constitution? How many of you have ever taken the oath of allegiance? Uh, you became a citizen, you had to take the oath, anyone? Okay. What did you swear allegiance to? French fries and burgers? Although some of us, well, no, no, say that. What did you swear allegiance to? That you would protect from domestic and foreign enemies. The Constitution. Anything that's unconstitutional is then what? It is thrown out. The Constitution of the United States. Now, every country has its equivalent. Whether written or understood, God has his. And a citizen of God's kingdom is someone who has sworn allegiance to God's constitution. Conflict and Courage, page 15, paragraph 3, Ellen White writes, Like the angels, the dwellers in Eden had been placed under probation. Their happy estate could be retained only on condition of fidelity to the Creator's laws or allegiance. They could obey and live, disobey and perish. What am I saying? A child of the kingdom of God is someone who acknowledges God's law as the standard of righteousness. On earth and in heaven. It's a law of love. A citizen of Satan's kingdom is just simply the opposite. Someone who does not acknowledge the central role of God's constitution, his law, his commandments in that person's life. I'll tell you something you may find difficult to believe, where perhaps you won't. The only way to be right with God is to be right with His law. Let's do some reasoning. You promised to think. Oh, you didn't say it, but I assume you did. What is sin? What's the opposite of sin? I heard it, say it loudly. What's the opposite of sin? Righteousness. Alright. We have sin. We have righteousness. What is sin? What is righteousness? Yes. 
you were momentarily distracted, let me go over that lesson again. What is sin? What is righteousness? Yes. And so what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might what? Be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. All those in the kingdom of God, they walk after the spirit. And a man or a woman who walks after the spirit fulfills the righteousness of the law. Or has that righteousness fulfilled in him or in her? I'll tell you something about the law during the week that perhaps may surprise you pleasantly. There's a particular message that you must not miss. It's, it is also the theme heart to heart. Don't miss tomorrow night. We're really not any night, but don't miss tomorrow night. Because I will show you tomorrow night why law is absolutely necessary. Why am I saying that? We live in a world where Satan has very, very cleverly, craftily gotten into the heads of preachers. Not drunkards and white preachers to stand in holy desks and say the law has been what? Done away with. Now you can't get more successful than that when you hire a preacher to say the law has been done away with. And people believe it by the millions. There are two kingdoms. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of Satan. Now in every country on earth, you have those two kingdoms, plus the visible kingdom in that country. Are you with me? So who is the visible president of the United States? You don't know, let me tell you. (laughs) Barack Obama. Now who are the other two invisible presidents? God and Satan. But there are really only two kingdoms. Because all members of the the visible kingdom are either in one of the invisible kingdoms or the other. Am I making this clear? Let me say that again. There are really, one of my titles is, the United States had three presidents, but there are really only two. You see, in every country on the face of the earth, in every church, the members are split. Not necessarily down the line, but split into those in God's kingdom and those in Satan's kingdom. Every single person in the United States belongs either to God's kingdom or to Satan's kingdom. But I've got good news for you. If you believe by the quality of your life that you are in Satan's kingdom, you can leave tonight. That amen was lifeless and malnourished. Well, say it again. It got worse. (laughs) This is not my night. Let me say it again. If you believe by the life you live, and you alone and God can evaluate your life, that you are in Satan's kingdom, you can live tonight by the power of Christ. Yes, Satan does not let you go, 
but there is a power you can call upon to break you free. And he binds the devil and breaks it, breaks his house, lets you out. And there's nothing Satan can do to stop Christ if you invite Jesus Christ. How do I know if I'm in Satan's kingdom? What is my attitude towards God's law? Do I honor and obey God's law through faith in Jesus Christ? Do I understand that a converted person is converted from disobedience to obedience? Do I understand that a converted person goes from a heart that hates God's law to a heart that loves God's law? Do I understand that when God gave Moses instructions for the building of the ark, the Ten Commandments were placed in the ark. The ark represented the throne of God. The foundation of God's throne is His law. And all subjects of God's kingdom, they love God's law as Jesus loved the law, of whom it was predicted in Psalm 40 verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is where? Within my heart. But if the law is only in the Bible, well, I'm glad it is. But if that's where it stays, then you can always close it and the law is shut. The law must move from the Bible to our hearts. When God's law is in our hearts as it was for Christ, whom we say we love, that marks us as citizens of the kingdom of God. Not church membership. The rulers of the churches in the days of Christ, or the church, they were the ones who said, crucify him. Now, the, 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 the non-church, they said, let him go, the Romans. The church said, crucify him. Membership in a church does not constitute membership in the kingdom of God. Now, God's kingdom has a church. Don't misunderstand me. But it is wrong and misleading and dangerous to one's eternal interests to assume that church membership and kingdom membership are the same. They are not. Unless that person who's a member is someone who loves loves the righteous law of God by which Jesus lived and for which he died repetition is a key strategy when teaching we have four gospels they repeat a lot of things so forgive me if I am repetitive tonight two kingdoms two sets of subjects not three Christ Object Lessons, page 283, paragraph 3, Ellen White writes, There are only two classes in the world today, and only two classes will be recognized in the judgment. Those who violate God's law, and those who obey. And so the question is, to which class do you and I belong? Listen to me carefully. In every service like this, there is someone Receiving the message, the call, the invitation for the last time. Two kingdoms, two rulers, two sets of subjects, two constitutions. Where do you and I belong? I don't want to use scare tactics, but people die every night. How do you know you'll be here tomorrow? 
The Bible says today if you'll hear his voice, not tomorrow. You know why God arranged when he made Adam and Eve? Even though they were sinless, you must sleep and rise, sleep and rise. Sleep represents a kind of death. So every day is a brand new, you start all over. It is day by day. You don't live and live and live. You sleep, that represents a death. You stop, then you rise, you stop, you rise. I lift you up, day by day. Come, tonight you have life. I am not sure, I want to leave this place sure. Come. I'm going to pray for those who came and I will put myself with them. We're going to ask God to give us the certainty that we're in His kingdom by a recommitment of our lives to Him. We will ask God to help us every day to make that commitment all over again. Christ Triumphant, page 122, paragraph 3, Ellen White writes, To follow Jesus requires wholehearted conversion at the start. And a repetition of this conversion every day. Every day you rise from sleep. That's a resurrection. Recommit that life which is a gift from God to you. To Him. If you will give me permission to go to God's throne for you. Those of you who came. I want you to say. uh, uh, Raise your right hand. You give me permission to pray for you. I want every hand raised. So I know we're all together. Every hand raised. Heads bowed. Those of you who you know you're in God's kingdom, you say, Father, thank you for your love, your salvation. I recommit my life to you. Would you join us and stand? You know you're in God's kingdom. You want to recommit your life to God, and that is necessary every day. Just stand with us. Uh, praying for those who came. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Our loving Father in heaven. Father in heaven, meaning that God, you are in charge of the entire universe. We thank you, Father, for this message you've sent. We thank you, that God, that there's room in your kingdom for all of those who came. We thank you that the power to break us from the kingdom of Satan is available even as this prayer is uttered. And that all the resources of heaven, if necessary, have been marshaled and ready to be put at our disposal to break us free from Satan's grasp and plant us in your kingdom. As your word says in Colossians 1.13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. We're asking you to do that tonight. Father in heaven, we've sinned against you. And every sin is a support for the kingdom of Satan. And we publicly say we are sorry. We apologize to you for taking your name in vain by calling ourselves Christians and living a different kind of life. We are sorry. And we ask you, Father, to give us deep repentance. A repentance that leads us to pray and cry as we pray. A contrite and a broken heart. So, Father, forgive us, we pray. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ is the basis on which you can forgive any sin. And we've come to say, by our lifestyles, we have branded ourselves as citizens of the kingdom of Satan. We want a transfer now. And so, in the name of Jesus Christ... Who is not willing that any should perish. In the name of Jesus Christ. Who gave his life for us. In the name of Jesus Christ. Who took our human condition. In the name of Jesus Christ. Who intercedes for us now. In his sinless, powerful, divine, death conquering name. We ask you God receive us. All of us. 
Break us out of Satan's grasp. We offer this prayer in the name of Jesus, believing you have heard us and it is done. And Father, let us not wait to feel delivered. Let us trust your word. We stand now as children of the kingdom of God and we say hallelujah to our Savior. Thank you, God. Now, Father, by your Spirit, touch our hearts day by day that we may renew this surrender. Even as Satan tries constantly to bring us back, let us daily recommit our lives into your hands that you may care for us, take care of us. Grant us your Spirit, dear God. Give us a desire for your word because it is the word that has power as Jesus Christ demonstrated in the wilderness when he repeatedly said, it is written. Let us find joy in spending time on our knees. Father, change our habits. Change our tastes. Make them spiritual, God. Break the habits we have and give us godly habits. And for those resisting the call for whatever reason, Father, I ask you to trouble them. Trouble them to the point of divine irritation until they surrender to you. Trouble them for their own sake and for your glory. Hear this humble prayer, dear loving God. Bring us back tomorrow night to hear a message I believe you've placed in my heart for your people. Bring us back tomorrow night, dear God. In the meanwhile, take us home safely. Protect us from harm and danger. Post angels around our houses that we may sleep in safety. If it pleases you to give us life tomorrow, let us commit that life to your glory. Watch over us, Father. We love you. We thank you for your salvation. We offer this prayer in Jesus' name and for his sake. Let all God's people say amen and amen god bless you god bless you return to your seats with confidence come back tomorrow do not allow anyone to question the fact that you are a citizen of god's kingdom and i invite you from my heart come tomorrow the lord has a message for you that you must not miss and bring someone with you may god bless you until he comes to take you home